0: Hey, Pawn Family, it's Egal, and welcome back to another episode of the Pawn Leaders Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen every single week, and I hope that uh, the podcast is giving you so much value that you're actually taking back information and implementing it in your stores. I'm excited this week because I've launched my new website, PawnLeaders.com, and if you go there today, you can download a free guide that I wrote for you guys called The Three Pillars of Profitable Pawn Shops. Now, in this guide, I outlined the three pillars, and it's kind of 12 steps within the three pillars of what you need to do to grow your loan balance, to make more money, to stress less and live that epic life that we always talk about here on the podcast. One of those steps is marketing. And one of the best marketing tactics I'm seeing today are online Google reviews. And I don't recommend anybody else except for Podium. Um, most of my mastermind members use it. A lot of the people that I know use it and they're getting incredible resor- results for pawnbrokers everywhere. You know, a pawnbroker uses it and all of a sudden they're getting more and more reviews. And when a client is looking on Google and they type in best pawn shop and you're using podium, let's say you have 150 reviews and your competition has 60, guess where they're going to go. Some of the people in the mastermind had 500 reviews, 300 reviews. 400 online reviews and they're crushing the competition because they're using Podium.com so go to Podium.com slash Leaders and get 10% off of your monthly subscription fee I worked this out just for you guys so that we can give you a break on the monthly cost but it's so so valuable that what they charge I think they should charge more but uh, check it out Podium.com slash Leaders to get 10% off of your monthly subscription fee to Podium.com now to talk about this episode. I have Len Suma, who is the CEO of Data Age, the makers of Pawnmaster. Pawnmaster's been around for a long time. They're a software provider here in the pawn industry. And we talk about embracing change and technology. Now Len's been around the block and he's seen tons of pawn shops and they service lots of pawn shops. So we talk about kind of where the pawn industry is today, where it's going and what he thinks that pawnbrokers should do, and what mistakes they're making. So check out this episode with Lensuma Suma and let me know what you think. Hey everyone, my name is Igalodado, and this is the Pawn Leaders Podcast. A podcast to help you make more money, stress less, and live an epic life. All while working at the pawn shop. Len, welcome to the show. You gal, how are you? And happy holidays and happy new year. Thank you so much. Likewise to you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you. You know, I know that data age uh, and pawn master. You guys have been a staple of the pawn community for so many years. So it's an honor having you on.
1: It's my pleasure. I love what you're doing in the uh, Pong broker community yourself, and uh, um, looking forward to today.
0: Awesome, brother. So first and foremost, I've asked you this question before. I think we have to talk about it. Uh, you worked with the incredible Hulk. Tell me really quickly, uh, you know, just a little bit about how that worked and how that jumped in you into the pawn industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when I used to put my resume out, that was the first thing people, uh, highlighted on. Cause I think it's, a, I guess it's an interesting story, right? So, uh, you know, I played college football at a pretty high level and, uh, when I found out I wasn't going to be the starting linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I figured let me uh let me figure what I'm going to do with my life. And um, I had the pleasure and opportunity to grow up um, around the the, the Ferrigno. We had a very very nice, inviting family that uh, got to know uh, I got to know them pretty well, and um, was presented an opportunity to um, kind of develop a business concept. And this was uh, late uh, early '90s, I should say, when fitness, as you would know, really started to um, hit the forefront of, of 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 the American, you know, of the American people, in, from a mainstream point of view. And um, obviously, he's known for you know you know bodybuilding and everything like that. But um, they were really interested. They had the vision to say, you know, it's not all about bodybuilding; it's about general fitness. And that would include, you know, your, your cardiovascular and all that type of stuff. So I uh, had the opportunity to work with them on a very close level to develop that uh, business. Um, I was fortunate enough to open about uh, four or five stores. And um, yeah, that's my story with the, with the Ferrignos. And uh, yes, he's a legitimate 6'6", 305 pounds for sure, even at, at the ripe old age of 70-something.
0: Wow. Incredible. Amazing story. Yep. So let's kind of fast forward a little bit from that story and talk about how you got uh, into working with Data Age and how you became essentially uh, who you are today in the pawn industry.
1: Yeah. You know, my, my, my background started off um, in the Microsoft channel, working for uh, some pretty large value-added resellers. Uh, but how I even got into that is when, you know, when I owned and operated my own businesses, um, it was all about the customer, right? You know, how do you continually support the customer even on the retail side? Because my businesses, which are now known as fitness showrooms, uh, it was pure retail, right? But even though it's retail, here's your product, ma'am, or sir, you still got to support it. You know, how do we put it together? Or how do we use it? Um, and at that early age, you know, I really found the value of customer service, but I uh, wound up having to go purchase a uh, help desk software and that's really was the dovetail into uh, learning about software where the uh, the rep at the time walked into our stores and I believe this guy was driving a hundred thousand dollar vehicle and I was driving you know a $27,000 vehicle so (laughs) I was a month going just to rent in, in five different locations so um, I, I explored it and said, I think the time for me to, you know, leave my business was right. Um, I'm happy to say my ex-partner has taken the business to next, le- to the next level, but I really wanted to get into the software and, uh, understand it. And that's what happened. uh, wound up working for two very, very large Microsoft VARs. And then, uh, I was able to then connect with the company in the learning management space, which really uh, mushroomed my career. Uh, in terms of how I came to uh, to know Data Age, it's it's a funny story. I was actually in Denmark. Uh, I was tasked to parachute a, a company in from Denmark into the United States. Um, wasn't really particularly happy with their business plan, and um, the folks over at Data Age, you know, made a call. and um, To their credit the visionaries here, Tom Strang and Randy Peffley, two co-owners. Um, and it says a lot about their, their, their wanting to take the uh, the company to the next level. Um, they brought me in. They told me, you know, where the market was, what they needed. And, you know, there the was a perfect marriage and came in and um, you know, seven years later, believe it or not, here we are. Amazing. So seven years
0: later um, you know, thousands of, of clients, using the software. Let's talk about you know, how people and pawnbrokers today are, are leveraging the technology and what mistakes they're making, right? Because the technology is there to be used. And you guys have serviced, again, thousands of clients. What are you seeing that's happening in the pawn industry today with mistakes that the pawnbrokers are making, uh, especially in the technology realm?
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good point you made about, you know, leveraging the technology. In terms of, you know, new technologies on the horizon, you know, if, you, if you're a good vendor, you're always connected with your customer base to understand your functionality is out there. And, you know, I'm proud to say that, you know, we're always on top of that. Um, and some of the new things, you know, or the areas of focus You know, it was always around data and reporting. You know, marketing is a very, very hot topic, which I I think we're pretty good at what we do. And, you know, our focus has really been to help the pawnbroker in that realm as well. So we're pretty excited about that to make sure that our customers continually have to have a real competitive advantage in their markets. You know, in terms of mistakes, let's hit on what you just said right there. There's really not one silver bullet or magic bullet out there that says, "Well, if you do this, you're gonna, you know, get to the promised land." It's just not that way. However, I find a lot of pawnbrokers, especially pawnbrokers that are leveraging or using a technology. And as a footnote, still a lot of pawnbrokers out there that, believe it or not, are pet to pad, and it just happens to work for them. However, um, you know, I do think they're at a quite in Terms of leveraging. Well, what Len, sorry, give me one yeah. second. Did you say yeah. like
0: pen to pad? That just people are still doing pollens by hand. That is correct.
1: That wow. is correct. You know, 2018.
0: This is going to come out in 2019, yeah. and people are still writing. I, I can't even imagine that. That's tough. that's tough to imagine.
1: It's and and it's a it's a it's. There are more out there than you know you would care to imagine, and again, we think that is a uh, definitely an area of market uh, penetration for us as, as well as everybody else in the space. Um, yeah, there's there there's still a lot out there, uh, a lot of those pendapeds out there, and uh, and educate them, not push them, but really educate them with with hardcore data and statistics. Um, and you know, I think we said it in the last time we spoke is those seven deadly words. We've always done it that way, right? Yeah. Um, I think that is, uh, those words, we, we can't stand here. And, and I think those, are the, those words are the death of a lot of folks, believe it or not. Um, but, you know, in terms of those mistakes, hitting with leveraging what you already have, there's not one silver bullet out there, right? I mean, you have in hand already. Um, and the old adage is, is most technology, people use 20% of it. You know, that's been our charge, or at least it's been my charge since day one. It's one of the reasons why we started Data Age University and we, we invest a lot of money to put our trainers on the road to go and not necessarily sell, but make sure our customers are leveraging the the, the powerful tools that they have in hand already. Um, because it's just not all about selling, right? It it really is about trying to help yeah, especially today, like I think that a lot
0: of people, you know, they, let's say they purchase a software um, or any tool for that matter, and they, they bring it in and they're working so hard at the counter that they kind of forget to study and research and learn about what that tool does. And we can, I mean, not just software, right, but like Facebook marketing and uh, OfferUp and all, any type of technology that's out there. And they just use it, like you said, 20%. And then they complain about like, well, I don't have the tools at hand. I believe, yes, you do. And sometimes you just have to take a moment to learn how to use what you have.
1: And, and, and I would completely agree with you. I'll go one step further. Uh, I'm a big football guy. I've got a universal remote. I'm sure you do as well. Um, I just push on and off. I'm yeah. sure my, I'm sure my universal remote can make me a cup of coffee if I wanted it. You know, so <laughs> it's just you're, you're you're exactly correct. And um, what happens is is you get too focused um, on what's the latest and greatest, and in the meanwhile, you're sitting on a potential treasure trove of um, capabilities. And and that's really been our push. Really, like you said, as the leader in this industry, you know we've been at a point for a lot of years now where you know we've got a solid brand it's really time to give back in terms of education and I think you could see that with our content and things of that nature so to me right there is a tremendous disadvantage and again for the for the brokers who are very very successful They dive deep into their technologies from the reports to the capabilities of it. You know, how do I get more eyeballs on my business and drive more foot traffic? So we're a big proponent of that. And um, again, with our customer base, we built out an entire division called Data Age University really to just focus on that.
0: So let's talk about that really quickly. I mean, so people aren't using the technology. Right, that's what we're talking about—the mistakes that pawnbrokers are making these days. What are a couple of other uh, mistakes that you think that pawnbrokers are making when it comes to technology, or just uh, within the operation itself?
1: I think within the—I think we covered the technology, which is broad. We could sit here for five hours and talk about the uh, the capabilities of technology. Um, quite frankly, it's a bold statement, but for a long time, I think you know a lot of a lot of pawnbrokers really are. Uh, the relevance of technology um hasn't really seeped in um to the to the industry as 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 it should. But in terms of the operating, listen, it all boils down to, and I've heard many of your podcasts, it all boils down to, you know, you 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 gotta have a plan. Listen, I was there. I got lost in the day-to-day. And quite frankly, that's why I'm sitting here, you know, you know, twenty years later, and not owning my own business because I got so wrapped up into the day to day that I didn't take time to set the goals, execute to the goals. Um, I thought I did a pretty good job of listening to my customers, but that's another area you gotta listen to your customers what's what's going on currently all right business dynamic the the landscape of business is constantly changing. Tune with that and marry up your goals. Whatever those goals may be, it could be revenue, it could be new new customer acquisition, it could be your e-commerce platform. I think from working with you know over five thousand you know and you know with four thousand close to four thousand shops now, that is probably one of the top three areas of boy oh boy. If we could put a little focus to that, you you're going to see a tremendous change in your business.
0: Love it. I agree with you. I think that planning, a lot of times, you know, pawnbrokers they don't plan. They just show up at the shop, open the door, hope and pray that people walk in, and then go home upset and think, you know, the business isn't the same as it used to be. Uh, I'm not, you know, making the same amount of pawns, but the truth is that if you're not doing something different, if you're not connecting with your community using the technology, people aren't going to walk in as much anymore.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's, it's, it's a hey, business is business. And this is a, you know, might seem a very cold and callous statement, but hope is not a strategy. Yeah. It really isn't. It's just not a strategy. And another thing that we see, because I, I go out and about all the time. I try to make a lot of site visits. And while you're, you're in, you know, your customer's store, You know, I appreciate the respect allocated uh, to me, you know, coming in, but it's a very simple art to master. And I know that's another area of our business that we are very hyper vigilant on, but, and I know a lot of our successful brokers, and again, success is, is determined by many different ways, but focusing on your customers, I mean, our mantra here is we treat our customers like family. Um, we know a lot of the successful brokers. I sit off in a corner and I watch them and they know people by first name. They know their cousins. And even in this very sophisticated, uh, day and age, you know, that's an, that's an aid, tried and true, you know, know your customers. So I, I ask a lot of pawnbrokers when I have strategy
0: calls with them, I say, you know, why do you have a pawn shop? And a lot of people say, Oh, cause I want to make money. And I just kind of shake my head sometimes. Right. Although we need to make money. Um, we've got to, you know, pay for our family and, and our living and all type of stuff. But I think that you said it right. If you're not focused on your client, if you're not caring about the client, you're not going to do as much business as you think. And that's what I've seen, just to reiterate what you're saying, the successful palm brokers and what I mean successful, the guys that can take two, three weeks off here and there, the ones that have management teams, the ones that have, you know, good palm balances and and good net profits. They care about their customers so much and want the best for them that their customer cares about them back and brings them business as well.
1: And um, that's true. You know, another area that I could say is is their desire to serve and serve their community. Uh, you know, just to cite a, a use case that happened with one of our customers just recently, and it was a write-up in the uh, uh, by the MPA, is our folks over at Apon USA in Clermont. Um, love those folks there Um, that become very good friends with them what they just did in returning that Purple Heart to that uh, WW2 uh, veteran to his family you know that you know that doesn't from a from a human point of view you don't get any better than that Um, a lot of the shops you go into you know you'll know right away I mean I could cite so many of our customers Um, you, when you, the moment you go in there, it's like, okay, the stigma of being in a pawn shop, that's gone. Now let me shop. Basically. It's as simple as that. So you're right. It's not all about making money. That's a means to an end. And, you know, that's why we all pretty much get up and go to work, but there's, there's really so much more, you, you know, you have to have a passion in what you do and a real enjoyment for, um, you know, the day to day. Right. Right.
0: Yeah, 100%. And the biggest problem I see sometimes is that you got some grumpy pawnbrokers brokers out there, <laughs> you know, like standing at the line, just pissed off for some odd reason. The customer's not going to want to do business with you anymore and your employees are not going to want to hang out with you.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, you got, I think um, I, I don't look at them as grumpy, you know, because I think as a small business owner, there were days where I was as high as a kite and I was as curmudgeoning as you could be. And from my own personal experience, I know my, my curmudgeoniness stemmed from setting unrealistic expectations. Why? Because I really didn't have a plan. Everything was day-to-day, moment-to-moment, minute-to-minute. Once I established a plan and I had a roadmap or a track, you know, those curmudgeon days kind of went away and, you know, inevitably really, you know, drove me, I had a good run, But this is not my true calling in life. So, you know, at the end of the day, small business, small business, it's very, very tough. It's very competitive. You got to deal with the big multi-chain box stores that at times you feel like they're giving stuff away. So our goal has been really to reach out to people. And um, that's another area where I think pawnbrokers that are very successful, they leverage their partners, whatever their partner is. In this case, Data Age is a, a for to the pawnmaster customer. Our mantra is: we want to be a, a partner in their boardroom, not a vendor in their hallway, right? And the successful broker call us, call our marketing department, get some ideas, use our marketing calendar. So, you know, that's the approach that we're trying to take. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the brokers pay maintenance. They, they pay a nice fee to whomever. Um, if, there are, um, if there are capabilities or services out there, I would leverage them. Make a phone call. It doesn't hurt. Uh, you won't get a no unless you ask, right? Yeah, 100%. And with that said,
0: Len, I wanted to ask you because obviously, you know, being in the technology world and having the amount of clients that you guys have, what are some things that you see for the future of, of the pawnbroking business, the pawn industry, you know, in 2019.
1: Uh, Pawnbrokers that have been um, in the industry and it's a family business. I, I do think that the folks who um, can't adapt are going to find themselves in, in, a, in a very precarious situation. You know, I don't, I don't think people are, there's a mass exodus and people are going to go out of business, but, you know, times get a little tighter, right? You know, uh, you know the business wasn't what it once was. And if you, if you can't adapt and make some changes and, and maybe listen to people, I think just the concept of bringing in another set of eyes and ears is you, you need to embrace that. You really do because you, you, you could get yourself stuck in a silo. And I think I've said this to you before is when I, I, I own my own business, everything that I thought I was doing right, I was actually doing wrong. And the stuff I thought I was doing wrong, I was actually doing right but I was so connected to the business that I, I couldn't see, I couldn't see it. So I think, you know, the change aspect of it, whatever change may be, it could be change on how you look at your employees or how do you work with your employees? Are you more open to take suggestions? Just think the, the word change is a very very good thing and i think it needs to be embraced at the highest of levels through every organization and even here at that age i mean we've been we've been doing this for 30 years right
0: yeah you know it's funny that you mentioned a different set of eyes and i agree you need to bring in a different set of eyes you know i left Cashco almost four years ago and uh, every time i walk back in and i was in there this week because I go hang out with my brother and um, I see stuff that I never saw being in the building for 13 years. So, and then I mentioned it to my brother. I'm like, oh, he says, thanks. Thanks for letting me know. I'll make a change or, or we'll clean that up. So make sure that like, I agree, you need to adapt. You need to bring somebody in. You know, if you don't want to hire a consultant for some crazy reason, have a friend walk in the store. Just tell me the, the bad, the good, and the ugly.
1: Yeah. You know, in, what I, what in, I can do, you know? And if you don't want to get official with it and go hiring a consultant, you know me. I'm a big proponent of a lot of these social platforms where I think the entire pawnbroker community is missing a golden opportunity to connect with other pawnbrokers. Now, I understand that it's a highly competitive world, but, you know, the pawnbroker sitting in in, in, in Los Angeles versus chatting with the pawnbroker in florida i i love and i'm a big proponent of sharing ideas especially in this niche community right yeah I, no, mean, I i think we all learn from each other there's there's no question so i would encourage people to get out into those social networks and uh you know there's a couple of them out there that that we sponsor and uh i i would just do do the research do the homework, and. Um, I'm telling you, there's a lot of good chatter out there. You you see it. I mean, uh, I, you, you can't go wrong. It's free. There's nothing to lose. Even if you just sit as a, a bystander in the bleachers, I'm telling you, there's a lot of good stuff that you get out of there.
0: Yep. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, I, you know, before I remember when I would go to pawn conventions, uh, I was told as a third-generation pawnbroker, you never want to tell people what's actually happening in your business. But as the years went on, I started just talking more, and then people would share, and then we'd be sitting at at a table eating, and they would give me the best idea ever because I connected and I shared and I was willing to open up. So if you're sitting in a city, I understand if you don't want to share with your comp- your competition, your direct competition. But like you said, there's social media groups out there. There's uh, LinkedIn. There's Facebook. There's uh, I know that like a lot of the states have like their own um, blogs and their own, uh...
1: um, or, you know, as you, as you're winding down your day, um, you know, some of our most successful brokers, I'll be honest with you, a lot of them have connected with one another and they've become great friends, but I know a lot of them have even, you know, transacted business with one another. So I, there's, I, I'm a big proponent of it, the whole social media, um, thing and, and understanding, and even, even from a, uh, a strategy point of view, um, We've got some customers that have 100,000 followers on their Facebook.
0: Yeah, that's so, amazing.
1: It's good stuff, for sure.
0: Love it. Love it. Len, you, you've dropped so many awesome bombs here in uh, on the podcast. I appreciate you being on. Um, I want everybody to know where to find you, and that's at www.pondmaster.com, correct?
1: That is correct.
0: Awesome. So check out uh, Len and his team. They're doing great stuff in the industry. Len, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you on. Uh, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, my friend. Happy New Year to everyone out there, okay?
0: Thank you so much. Take care. And for everybody else, see you on the next podcast.